Hello and welcome. This is Pastor Terry, and I'd like to welcome you to my Bible study podcast. This daily podcast is a place where we take the teachings of Scripture seriously, but ourselves, not so much. Join us as we dive into the sacred words of the Bible. Each time we read, we pray, we change the world. Welcome to Pastor Terry's Bible Study Podcast. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's podcast. It is Monday, March 28th, 2022. So glad you guys are on today. We are in the fourth week of Lent, so we, uh, we're we moving uh, ever so consistently towards um, Lenten season. And, uh, the, the, well, we are in the Lenten season, but moving ever so closer to, uh, you know, the, the heart of it, which is um, Good Friday, uh, Holy Week, and, of course, Easter Sunday. So we're we're on our way. And um, so this week, the readings are um, are in Jeremiah, Romans, and the Gospel of John. The theme for this entire week, this fourth week of Lent, the, the theme for the week is Matthew 20, 28, which is the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Hmm. Glad about that, man. So that's the theme for this fourth week, is that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So that's awesome. All right. Um, so let's uh, let's do it. Let's jump in. Our first reading will be from Jeremiah chapter 16. starts pretty ominous, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 16, beginning at verse 10. I'll start at verse 10, just for the sake of time. 10 through 21. And then we'll jump over to Romans 7. So you know what we do? We read, we pray, we change the world. So, so this is all unscripted, uh, you know, unrehearsed. Dude, just read the Word of God and see what the Lord says to us through His Word. Yeah. So I'm glad you guys are on. Glad you're uh, starting your week off um, in, uh, in the Word and together. Love you guys. All right, let's do it. Uh, Jeremiah 16, beginning at verse 10. When you tell these people all this and they ask you, why has the Lord decreed such a great disaster against us? What wrong have we done? What sin have we committed against the Lord our God? Now, in the previous chapters, he went through a whole list of all the things they had done, <laughs> not the least of which was dead religion, that they were going through the religious motions, but they were treating each other horribly. Their hearts were far from God. They were unjust. They were evil people. They were doing very evil things to the point that there was even human sacrifice in the culture. And they're like, what have we done against the Lord? Then say to them, it is because your ancestors forsook me, declares the Lord, and followed other gods and served and worshiped them. They forsook, they forsook me and did not keep my law. Forsook. It's a funny word. They forsook. They forsook me. But you have behaved more wickedly than your ancestors. Look, if your ancestors was bad, you were worse. 
So why 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 is all this destruction coming? Because your ancestors they forsook me. They were they turned against me. But I'm gonna tell you something. Y'all are worse. They bad. You worse. <laughs> That's why. But you've behaved behaved more wickedly than your ancestors. See how all of you are following the stubbornness of your evil hearts instead of obeying me. So I will throw you out of this land into a land neither you nor your ancestors have known, and there you will serve other gods day and night, for I will show you no favor. Basically, this is that same principle, like God turned them over to the desires of their hearts, their evil desires. God says, you know what? This, you've been wanting to chase other gods. You've been wanting to serve other gods. You've been just you know, dead set uh, and determined to do this. Okay, I'm going to banish you from the promised land and let you serve your gods. See how well that works out for you. And my favor will not be shown upon, shown to you. Mm. This is the, you know, strictly speaking, that's what Romans talks about with the wrath of God. The wrath of God is what? Turning people over to what their heart, their evil hearts desire. And the end of that is never good. Verse 14. However, the days are coming. The days are coming. Says, declares the Lord, when it will no longer be said, as surely as the Lord lives, who brought the Israelites up out of Egypt. But it will be said, as surely as the Lord lives, who brought the Israelites up out of the land of the north and out of all the countries where he had banished them. For I will restore them to the land I gave their ancestors. All right, so now uh, already God is offering promise there. Um, It's true, you're going to be banished because of uh, your sinful hearts. but But the good news is that there's a day coming when I will bring you back to myself. I will restore you. Verse 16, but now I will send you for many fishermen, declares the Lord, and they will catch them. After that, I will send for many hunters, and they will hunt them down on every mountain and hill and crevices of the rocks. My eyes are on all their ways. They are not hidden from me, nor is their sin concealed from my eyes. I will repay them double for their wickedness and their sin because they have defiled my land with the lifeless forms of their vile images and have filled my inheritance with their detestable idols. Hmm. I don't think God's favorable towards idols. What do you think? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't think he's, I don't think he's too, too keen on idols. Mm-mm. The Lord, my strength, my fortress, my refuge in time of distress, to you the nations will come from the ends of the earth and say, Our ancestors possessed nothing but false gods, worthless idols that did them no good. Do people make their own gods? Yes, but they are not gods. Like, reality check. Do we, uh, come on, we do the same thing, right? Do we create, do we create our own gods? Yes, but guess what? They're false gods. We create our own gods, what? In the form of materialism, stuff, power, prestige, um, even physical health. You know, I mean, the body image and healthcare is a multi-billion dollar industry <laughs> to what? Sort of pres- preserve life. To save, you know, to to extend life. Now I'm for it, right? I'm for it. Let's try to try to make this old temple last as long as it can, in the best shape it can. I ain't against it, <laughs> but we can make it a false god. At the end of the day, um, 
it won't last. Someone said you spend when you're young, you spend your health trying to make wealth. And then when you're older, you try to spend your wealth trying to keep health. Hmm. It's futile, man. Yeah. You're young, you spend your health trying to get wealth. When you're old, you spend your wealth trying to keep health. And both are futile. They're they're uh, they're they're gonna they're not gonna last. Verse 20. Do people make their own gods? Yes, but they're not gods. Verse 21. Therefore, I will teach them. This time I will teach them my power and might. Then they will know that my name is the Lord. So God's like saying, I'm, I'm not going to give up showing them who I am. It's detestable and as far away as it seems they've run, I'm not going to stop. Um, sorry, hitting that microphone, guys. Uh, I'm not going to stop pursuing them. And aren't you glad? Aren't you glad God doesn't stop pursuing us? God is uh, relentless in his, uh, in his pursuit of us and his uh, desire to save sinners, save those far from him because he loves us. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, over to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 12. Welcome, everybody. Sorry about the little Facebook thing. I've got to stop playing music because when I play music on Facebook, they flag it. It freezes the video. And then you can see it later, but you can't see it during that time. They always release it because I'm not selling anything. So they always release the video, but they freeze it whenever there's a copyright. Even though it's just very soft background music that I'm talking over, they still freeze it. And so that's what just happened on Facebook. You guys on Instagram don't know this yet. That's what happens on Facebook. They froze it. So they'll be able to see it later, but they can't see it right now live. So. Podcast, Instagram, you guys are golden. It's just a Facebook Live. All right, Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 12. Let's do it. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has authority over someone only as long as that person lives? For example... By law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law that binds her to him. Okay, so he's using the example of marriage as an example of uh, the law and um, and it's whether it's valid or not, right? So law and grace. Like when you're marriage, law, um, but then after death, re released from those... Uh, those those former laws. For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law that binds him. <laughs> That's funny. Like while you're married, you know, it's like law, right? But when he dies, whoo, praise God, like grace. <laughs> right? You know? Um, as long as he's you're married and you're bound to him, then you know, it's like the law. But then then after that, grace. Um, verse 3. So then, if she has sexual relations with another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. Adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law, and he is and and is not an adulteress if she marries another man. So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. Wow. So he's 
really playing out this, uh, this family metaphor, right? That we've died with the law. This old marriage that we were a part of has died. We've been raised to new life, and we've been brought together with Christ, the new husband, as it were. And now we, united with this new husband, he says what? We go and bear fruit. You know, like little cherry. <laughs> we go and bear a little cherry, little fruit. <laughs> the bride of Christ, married to the, the bridegroom, which is Jesus, they go and then bear then then produce some some live fruit. Yeah. Hope you hope you're producing fruit today, man. Hope you hope your life is producing fruit. That people see your good works and glorify uh, the Lord in heaven. Yeah. That you might belong to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. Verse 5. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful possessions aroused by the law were at work in us, so that we bore fruit of death. So when we're bound by the law, the law just revealed to us our own sinfulness. And by pointing out our sinfulness, it in some ways only excited our sinfulness. So we bore fruits that just reinforce the fact that we were dead in sin. But verse 6, but now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we may serve in a new way, in the new way of the Spirit, and not in the old way of the written code. Yes, we, we live now by the Holy Spirit, not by the written code. We live and move and have our being in the Spirit of God, not by the works of the law, not by the written code. Verse 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. Again, we've said the law was like an x-ray. It revealed the problem. It didn't solve the problem, just revealed the problem. So is the x-ray bad because it reveals that you have a broken arm? No. It's not bad, but it doesn't fix the problem. The law just revealed the sinfulness of humanity. It didn't fix the human the, the sinfulness of humanity. It just revealed the problem. And Paul says, I wouldn't have known what sin was had it not been for the law. Verse 9. Or, I'm sorry, whatever that... Uh, the, continuing in verse 8. For I would not have known what coveting was, really was, if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. So when the law said, do not covet, it's like, yeah, coveting is a bad thing. Oh, I want that. I want that. <laughs> it made me want to covet all the more. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Once I was alive apart from the once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. So then, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. So Paul is just, just basically showing the, the, uh, the way the sinful nature interacts with the law. So the, the, the law says, do not covet. Now, if our nature was godly, it would say, okay, I understand that because that, you know, um, I should, I should um, not desire what is not mine. I should be content 
uh, with the Lord and with he, what he has given me. I should not covet what someone else has. What has. Um, I should be uh, uh, rejoice with other people for what they have, not, not desire and to, to take. Um, that's what, if the spirit, if I was born with a, with a holy nature, that would be my reaction to a law that says do not covet. But the sinful nature doesn't respond that way. The sinful nature responds to do not covet by saying, ooh, I want that. Why can't I covet? Why can't I? I want that. So the sinful nature reacts to the law sort of uh, it, with death. The spiritual nature would react to the law differently uh, because it's, it's, it's because it's a heart directed towards God. And so he says what? Uh, For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceive me. What sin? The sin in me. The sin in me, when it sees the commandment of God, takes the moment to deceive me. And through the commandment, put me to death. So then the law is holy and the commandment is holy, righteous and good. The commandment is good and the law is good. It's what's the problem. Sinfulness in me. That's the problem. Hmm. That's our problem. That's, been, that's the whole problem in the world right there. Sinfulness of humanity. Hmm. Y'all know that's true. Let's see what John chapter 6 says. John chapter 6. John 6. Welcome, everybody. We're going to wrap up our readings in the gospel today. Gospel of John chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. Let's go. This is funny because last week we were further along in John. Now we're jumping back. We were in 7 and 8 last week. Now we're jumping to 6. I don't know. Something about the readings, the way they want us to do it. Let's do it. John 6, 1 through 15. And sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs. They saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. So uh, crowd saw the miracles, saw Jesus healing the sick. So they start following him. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Panera? <laughs> Panene? No, I don't know. It's a lot of food, man. A lot of food. But uh, you know what? It's kind of interesting. Is Jesus, Jesus is showing compassion for people here, right? Not just for their spiritual needs. Uh, he's showing compassion for their physical needs. These people need to eat. Where shall we buy bread, and what can we do to help? What can we do to meet the, these, uh, the crowds, the, these individuals' physical needs? This isn't just about their spiritual needs, but also their physical needs. They're, the, God, I mean, aren't you glad Jesus cares about your whole body, your whole person, your whole existence? Some of you might need to know that today. That Jesus cares about your spirit. Yeah, yes, he cares about your spiritual life. He also cares about your physical, mental, emotional, relational. He cares about all of you. Verse 6, he asked this only to test them, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Jesus already had a plan. He already had a plan. There was a problem, he had a plan. 
Even before there were, even before there was a problem, Jesus had a plan. Man, aren't you glad that even before Jesus, even before you know, even before you and me, even before we know there's a problem, Jesus got a plan. Man, Jesus already had a plan even before the, even before the problem. Jesus had a plan. Verse seven. Philip answered him, "It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for the for each one of them to even have a bite. Like we ain't got enough money." Jesus, I'll be honest with you. Jesus, you know, you know what kind of income we live on. We can't feed all them hungry people. It take a, take more than a half a year of our wages for each person just to have a little nibble. <laughs> and, and you just give them a nibble, it's gonna be worse than when we started because they're gonna be all mad. They're gonna be hangry at us. Verse 8, another disciple, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, Hey, here's a boy with five barley loaves, two small fish. But how far will that go among so many? Andrew's like, I found this little dude. He's got some, he got, he got, he got five barley loaves and two small fish. I was thinking about just eating it myself. <laughs> you know, this ain't enough to feed everybody, but it'll feed me. That's what Andrew's thinking. It ain't gonna feed everybody, Jesus. This is, I find this little boy right here. He got just five barley loaves and a couple fish. Me and him be all right. Me and the little guy, we just going to share this lunch right here. But, yeah, but we'll be praying for y'all. <laughs> we'll be praying for the rest of y'all. But me and, me and the little boy right here, we'll be good. We'll be good. <laughs> and the little dude's like, what the heck? I brought this lunch for me, man. It's barely enough for me. And you're going gonna to take my lunch. Andrew's like, no, man, come on, it's for Jesus, for me and Jesus. It's for us, man. It'll be fine. Um, well, Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in the place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves. He gave thanks, distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. Man, you know Jesus can take what you get, what you got, and multiply it. Mm, come on, Jesus can take what you've got, the little bit you've got, little five, little five loaves, two fish. He can take what you've got, he can multiply. He had them to sit down; they had enough to eat. And he said to the disciples, "Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted." So they gathered them and filled them, filled twelve baskets with pieces of five of the five barley loaves left over. By those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Wow. Wow. There's so much going on in there, man. We, this feeding of the 5,000, right? Like, a, like giving Jesus so many principles right for our life that we just give Jesus what we have. He doesn't, Jesus doesn't expect us to give him what we don't have. He only wants us to give, uh, he only expects that we give him what we have. And you're like, well, God, this is all I have. That's all he wants. Give him what we have, and he multiplies it. Now, here's the thing. It goes back to the theme for the entire week. The Son of Man came not to serve, not to be served, but to serve and give, give his life as a ransom for many. When we give to Jesus anything, it's an opportunity for him to serve us in a way that we could not have imagined. We've said this many times, but 
Whenever God calls for our obedience, it's not because he's in need of something. When God asks for our obedience, it's because he is opening up the opportunity to us for him to serve us. So when they gave the loaves and the fish to Jesus, they were not serving Jesus. They were giving Jesus what they had so that he could multiply it and serve them, right? And we think about that with everything in our life. What we give to God is not something for him. Even our, you think about giving, right? Tithing. We tithe of our income, 10%. The word of God teaches over and over that we give the first 10% to God, the first and the best. We give 10% to God. That's the, the bare minimum, right? And you say, well, I don't know about that. Well, I, just read the Bible. Just read the Bible. But it's not about a tax. It's not a tax. It's not a righteous tax. Like a, It's an opportunity for God to serve us. We give God the first 10%. He blesses the rest. When we give to him, it's not, we're not paying for the lights. You know, we're not paying for the light bill. We're giving to God. And when we give to God, he serves us through it. It's an invitation for him to serve us. That's why Jesus says, test me in this. Test me. I'll prove to you. I will, I will show you how through, through uh, your answering and responding to this invitation, I'll serve you. I'll do great and mighty things in your life. So if God is asking you, here's, here's what I want to say, friends. If God is asking you to do something in your life, it's not because God needs it done. It's primarily. Primarily, if God is asking us asking something of us, it's because he wants to serve us. There's a part of our lives that he wants to serve. He wants to bless. And so when they gave the, the, the loaves and the fish, Jesus served them and fed the whole crowd with it. And they were like, wow, that's awesome. So they were, they wanted to make him king. Like, like this guy makes the best fish sandwiches around. We're going to make him king. <laughs> they were, you know, I mean, nothing speaks louder than what is spoken to your stomach, right? Like, wow, I hear that, Lord. He, he, this, this man is really is God. <laughs> oh, but he is good. Jesus is good. He provides for us. He multiplies what we give him. And he serves us in so many amazing ways. So hope you know that today. Know that as you go out and obey the Lord and do his will, that through it, not in your obedience, as you walk in obedience, God will serve you in some beautiful ways. I hope you see it today. I hope your eyes are open to see it and experience it and receive it. Uh, know that God wants good for you. And he's working in, in all kinds of ways to serve you financially, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. He cares about all of your needs, but we've got to obey him. It's an opportunity when we obey him for him to serve us and meet our deepest and, uh, and greatest needs. All right, you guys, let's, uh, let's do this. Thanks for being on today. Thanks for joining us in the word. Now it's time to pray. Let's do it. Lord, thank you so much for your holy word. Thank you that you do take care of us. And um, even when we serve you, you serve us because your word tells us that the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That Lord, thank you for giving your life for us, that we might have new life, that we might have a fresh start. Lord, thank you that you care about all of our needs, every aspect of our lives. Lord, for some of my friends today, maybe they're feeling the pressing needs financially, pressing needs relationally and emotionally, or any other way, even spiritually. God, may they know that you are enough, and that you care, 
and that if we just walk with you, you'll supply all of our needs according to your riches in Christ. Lord, we love you today. I pray your blessing upon my friends. May you encourage them, strengthen them. Show them your grace and glory today in, in beautiful ways. I ask in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, God bless you today. I hope you have a fantastic day. Thanks for starting off your Monday with us, and I hope you enjoyed the Word of God. Tomorrow we'll be back at it, going through Jeremiah, Romans, and the Gospel of John again. And uh, thanks for being a part of this journey through Lent as we move towards uh, Holy Week here in just a few weeks. It's getting close, y'all. So love you guys. Thanks so much for being part. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today on Pastor Terry's Bible Study Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If this episode has been an encouragement to you, please help us by spreading the word about the podcast. You can do that by giving us a thumbs up, subscribing, and sharing it with your friends. You can also find me, Pastor Terry, as well as Bayside Church in Safety Harbor, Florida, on all social media platforms. The church you will find at Bayside Church SH. Again, thank you for being with us today and for sharing this podcast with your friends. Until next time, remember, God's word is true. Everything else is merely commentary. God bless you. We'll see you next time.